my pleasure to be joined by the Attorney General of the state of Connecticut, William Tong, joining us today to update what's been going on in the Attorney General's office. Mr. Tong, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on the radio here for today. Let's look to the future here. You will be speaking to the 79th commencement at Mitchell College on Saturday. You'll have the keynote address. Give me a little idea of what some of the things are you're thinking about saying to that graduating class. Oh, geez. Talk about a lot of pressure. Um, Good morning, by the way. Thank you, Wayne, for having me here this morning. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what I want to say to the graduates. You know, I suspect that a lot of the graduates, um, like me, come from immigrant families or come from families um, where where the parents were working people, meaning they didn't have white-collar jobs. Um, They had, you know, tough jobs like my parents did every single day working in our Chinese restaurant. So I'm going to go at that. I'm going to go at, at um, what it means to come from um, strong, hardworking, working families um, who, don't, who don't start with much and, and uh, what college can do for you and what you can do after. I like that. That ceremony takes place at 10 a.m. on the Mitchell College Green. Well, of course, one of the big stories over the weekend was another mass shooting down in Allen, Texas. That's Texas. We're Connecticut. But what would you do, what can you do as Attorney General to try to put a stop to these continual mass murders? I I think it's being honest about the proliferation of um, deadly firearms. Uh, I'm talking about assault weapons. I'm talking about AR-15s, which are already banned in Connecticut. Um, High-capacity magazines. These are these are laws that we have in the books here in Connecticut. They're being challenged here in Connecticut, and um, you know we need to win those cases and and defend Connecticut's gun laws. We're pretty far ahead, places like Texas, and frankly, you'd be surprised to know that our laws are stronger than some of our neighbors, New York and Massachusetts. And uh, I'm glad for that, but the, but they're challenged every single day. You know, in terms of Texas, um, and it appears it was a neo-Nazi shooter, um, I hate to say, you know, the only thing worse than saying um, just thoughts and prayers and not doing anything about gun violence um, is saying that this is a wake-up call. We've had far too many wake-up calls already. We're well past wake-up calls, and um, I just don't know when when government officials in Texas are going to get it. Um, you know, I wish I could sit with them and and tell Governor Abbott, although he knows, um, you know, what it was like to go through Sandy Hook more than 10 years ago. Um, and and I, I don't know what it will take to move them, but there's been plenty of death um, in, in Texas and in places like Texas. Seems like a lot of people blame all these shootings on people with mental health disorders and from what I heard, this guy in Allen, Texas, did have some mental health issues. But what's your response to that? I got to think that all of them are not mental health. Yeah, I think that that's um, a diversion. Frankly, of course, we should talk about mental health, um, and, and maybe that's a, a prime mover here. But you know, there are so many issues that contribute to somebody having a destabilized um, life. You know, not just mental health, but lack of housing, um, uh, lack of steady employment. So I think mental health is a bit of a diversion. I think the one thing that's different about this crime and these murders and mass shootings is the presence of firearms and the presence of um, not just, you know, weapons that you might use to 
hunt deer or um, to to hunt birds, for example. No one's talking about those weapons. We're talking about we're talking about assault weapons. We're talking about AR-15s. We're talking about weapons that are designed principally um, originally by the military to kill people. Um, and, and we're talking about, frankly, people who possess firearms that that shouldn't have firearms because of our um, because of our lax laws in this country and the lack of universal background checks. So at the end of the day, I think the mental health talk is um, an easy diversion that people who are against stronger gun laws like to pull out. And at the end of the day, sure, that's part of it. But what's essential here is that there there are guns that are that are available. And by the way, um, if you talk to Texas law enforcement, I, I, I read this yesterday, um, they admit that um, that there has been an, a marked increase uh, of gun violence and shootings after the loosening of gun laws in Texas. Well, that speaks volumes right there. Another big issue the last couple of months, including a lot of talk about this last week, is your fight to protect medication abortion access. Update me on where that stands right now. So, um, for for the listeners, um, uh, medication abortion is about half of the abortions in this country. It is a two-pill regimen, um, one called mifepristone. That's the first half. And then the second half is misopristol. So, um, uh, mifepristone has been in use for more than 20 years. It's been revisited uh, in terms of its approval by the FDA more than four times. And uh, it is statistically safer than Tylenol. Uh, and, and millions of American women and patients have used them, uh, including, obviously, many, many thousands here in Connecticut. So um, what happened was um, it, essentially a radical right group went into Texas federal it's a federal judge there. There's something wrong with misoprostone, and that um, F- the FDA uh, wrongfully approved it 20 years ago. Um, and and if you read the decision, it's just bonkers. So um, it's not a it's not a legal decision. It's not an, a, 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 a legal opinion. It's a demand illogical. So I joined with um, other states in the District of Columbia. We went to Washington State Federal Court, um, so federal court in Washington State, and we said not only is Mr. Pristone legal and and safe, um, actually the restrictions that the FDA puts on Mr. Pristone, and there are um, some more onerous restrictions on its use, those are too onerous. And the FDA is wrong in putting these restrictions on Mifepristone. And we won in our case. So the Texas judge issued um, uh, his order. And then in, in Washington, the judge in our case issued his order. The two orders conflict. It went to the Fifth Circuit, um, United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. And now um, the Supreme Court has it. Uh, but in a bit of good news, um, in this Supreme Court, any small good news is good news. In good news, the Supreme Court said, we're not going to um, accept what the Texas judge said on its face, 
Um, we're going to maintain the status quo. Mifepristone is legal and safe and effective until the Supreme Court has a chance to review the entire case. But it, it seems like at the moment they understand that, that they can't move very quickly here and the Texas judge maybe has gone in the wrong direction. Connecticut Attorney General William Tong with us this morning. What is the message you have this morning for people who might be driving Hyundai and Kia vehicles made between 2011 and 2022? So I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that um, people who have Hyundais and Kias during that time period have cars that are easier to steal than most. And um, that's because uh, these cars, number one, don't have effective theft deterrence. Um, they don't have um, software. They don't have steering uh, wheel lock capability in the same way that other cars do. And um, there are videos all over social media and the Internet that show particularly young people. These videos are targeted at kids, teens, to show them how to hotwire a Kia or a Hyundai in less than 60 seconds. And so... Uh, I can't tell you how dangerous it is. It, of course it is. And um, one of the things that's contributing to auto theft is the fact that it's so easy to steal these cars. So we've gone to the National um, Highway uh, Tra Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, uh, a bunch of AGs uh, together calling on NHTSA to order a recall. And we're pushing NHTSA to recall these vehicles, to get them in the shop, to get them fixed and to deploy effective anti-theft uh, technology and deterrence so that these cars don't get stolen as much as they do, but they do get stolen at a much higher rate than other cars. So if people own cars from those years that we just talked about, is it too early right now to go to the dealership? Should they wait until the recall announcement comes out? That, uh, you, um, that my car is... Uh, prone to theft, and I want you to fix it. And if they have any trouble, they should call the general or the Department of Consumer Protection. You've also been active as far as scams are concerned. One I want to talk about is scams that threaten or cheat senior citizens. What specifically are those things that the seniors should be watching out for? Well, unfortunately for seniors, the, the list is long, and... Um, I think there are a couple reasons why seniors are targeted. Most of us can guess that uh, as people get older, um, a they they may not be as familiar with new technology. Frankly, isn't always true these days. But um, some people think that they think that seniors are home a lot more. That maybe some seniors are are more vulnerable because um, either their mobility is impaired or perhaps they have memory or cognitive issues. Those are all reasons, but actually, you know, the, you know, the big reason is, is that seniors have money. You know, if you think about it, Wayne, seniors have retirement, they have Social Security, they may have savings. Uh, n not that people don't cheat young people, but no one's going after, you know, a 20-year-old um, who's got no money. Uh, what they're doing is they're going at people over 60 because they have money. Um, and, and you know, the, the big scams are online, um, mostly focused on, you know, we know the grandparent scam, 
where somebody calls and says your grandson or granddaughter's in trouble. Uh, unfortunately, these days we're hearing about deep fake grandparent scams where you you get a phone call and it sounds like your your grandson or granddaughter because uh, a criminal has been able to replicate their voice using technology. Um, and so you got to be really careful. And if you get it, if you get a phone call that is frantic or um, uh, you know tells you a fantastic tale about uh, a grandson or granddaughter in trouble, uh, don't trust that call. Make sure you know what number it's coming from, um, and 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 basically what you should do is hang up and call your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter and make sure they're okay. But don't fall for that high-pressure grandparent scam. Utility, tax collector scams, that's another one. They call up and they say you owe money to Eversource, you're not illuminating, or your tax collector. And then one more thing, Wayne, the biggest scam affecting people over 60 in this country may support you is the romance scam. And, and that's because um, people who are older being with somebody for many, many years. How do you know? How do criminals know that somebody's well, they see it on Facebook, they see it online that somebody's either broken up, got a divorce, or has lost a spouse, and they come after you. Well, I don't get a lot of calls from older women asking for a date, but what about the idea that's my theory? If I don't recognize a number, I don't answer it. And if it's that important, they can leave a voicemail. That's right, and I hate to have people at some level that offends me <laughs> that I have to live like that but unfortunately that's the world we live in so we have this technology we have the technology you should use it well by the same token it's you got to give full disclosure here to say that there are programs where they can make it look like it is somebody else's number I've seen those calls come through even though it's bogus is it all phone call scams for seniors what about snail mail or email. Yes, there's there are email scams, there are text scams, there are snail mail scams um, where people, for example, um, we're dealing with a couple of scams. One is um, uh, a, a company has been sending messages by mail to small businesses saying that we can provide a service and get you records from the Secretary of the State about your business. Um, and the challenge, or the problem, of course, is you don't need that service. The problem is you can just go to the Secretary of State and get those documents for free or for a very nominal cost. And so that's one scam. Uh, recently, last few days, we entered into a, a settlement with a company um, that, that uh, ironically, the name of the company is, is Integrity Administration, and with absolutely no integrity, um, they've been contacting people and saying your home warranty is expiring uh, or you have a home warranty and it has expired. And, you know, people um, most of the times don't even have a home warranty or don't understand what they mean by a home warranty. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're using high-pressure tactics to get people to pay money to them. And I don't know if you'd call it a scam, but... There were many people deceived by TurboTax, and there's some good news for the people who were deceived by TurboTax. Do tell. The, the TurboTax settlement is, um, you know, it's a big one for people that, that, that 
didn't get what they were expecting to get from TurboTax. And, of course, TurboTax is in wide use around the country and around Connecticut. So settlement checks are going out to people um, um, that were um, that were victims of the TurboTax uh, misconduct and misrepresentations about TurboTax and their services, and um, uh, you should be getting those checks soon. You also connected with the Stanford Police Department confiscating thousands of illegal THC cannabis products following a vape shop inspection. I know that's a long way from here, but isn't that a message for the rest of the state that you better be careful how you handle that? Handle it legally or we're coming after you. Yeah, it's it's Stanford uh, is far from where you are at WILI, but the other shops in the area that are selling illegal products that um, either they sell cannabis products illegally because um, even though cannabis is um, legal for recreational use in medical here in Connecticut, um, if the product contains more than 0.3% THC, which any product they sell contains more than 0.3% THC, um, any product containing that amount of THC has to be sold in licensed dispensary, which, um, of which there are still relatively few in our state. They're just starting to open now. So your smoke shop is not legally able to sell you cannabis, number one, or bootleg cannabis products. Um, and they can't sell you products um, known as Delta products, Delta 8, Delta 9, um, THCO. These are products that have more than 0.3% THC, but that doesn't. And they're illegal. And they're unregulated. They're, we don't know, you know how they're made or how, whether they're tested to be safe and whether they've been uh, put through a rigorous scientific process. We do know that they're derived from hemp and not uh, the hemp plant's close cousin, the, the cannabis plant. And what they do is they apply solvents and a chemical process to juice the amount of THC um, in, uh, in, in hemp to produce enough to get you high. So these products are legal. They, they're packaged in a very appealing way for kids and young people. Don't buy them. Um, and, and that's why we, uh, we conducted a raid of at least three stores in Stanford. And as this continues, we're going to do more. William, I really enjoy these periodic talks that we have, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the 4th of July on Main Street in Willimantic, USA. Look forward to it. That's the Attorney General of the State of Connecticut, William Tong, on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.